Hello, friends. This is Rick Thomas. You're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. This is episode 259. One of our supporting members wrote in and they asked this question, how does a parent maintain a two-family home? This question was good. I will share it with you in just a moment. And by the way, I have flattened it out and I've edited it a little bit because I don't want to, I don't want to give the name away of the person who's asking the question because that's not important. And so I flatten it out and I've edited it just a little bit because really what I want to communicate here is the big idea. It's, it's not, again, it's not that important that we know who it is, but it is important that we understand the concepts that I'm going to share with you in the podcast. And the reason I wanted to want to do a podcast about this subject is because it is a common question that we receive. How does a parent maintain a two-family home? And so in this particular situation, the uh, husband is asking the question, the wife has committed adultery and as has obtained a divorce. I don't know how many children they have, but there are children involved. And so the husband is asking the question, how do I parent the children now that we have two families? And so that is the question that I'm interacting with in this podcast. Let me read the flattened out and slightly edited question for you, and then I will jump right into it. The supporting member said, I have greatly benefited from your ministry. I am divorced from my wife. I am divorced after my wife left our marriage. We currently share custody, but it's very distressing to me as she walked away from Christianity and is training our children with a different worldview. How do you rear children in a two-family home? I wonder if you have ever spoken about what happened to your children from your first marriage. You made mention to them, but it's not clear if they somehow are... Not, if they somehow are not part of your life at all anymore? If so, how did that happen and how do you cope? Supporting member is asking this question. Again, episode 259, how does a parent maintain a two-family home? Now, I have some links here in the show notes for episode 259. I would encourage you, I'm going to ask you, supporting member, make sure you listen to these podcasts and read the articles that I have linked here. They will serve you well. In episode 55, a couple of years ago, is titled, I'm Divorced. Should I correct my ex-wife? It is linked here, and I want you to listen to that. Episode 139, Four Steps from Dating to Divorce. Episode 143, 10 Things to Know About Divorced Children. And then episode 199, and so that was uh, 60 episodes ago. I do an episode a year, so this was a little over a year ago. The title of this one is The Battle of the Mind, Post-Adultery and Divorce. And so I want you to listen to all four of those podcasts. And then I have two articles here. One of them's titled, Will You Help Me? My Ex-Wife is Ruining Our Children. And then another article, Are Children Better Off with Divorced Parents? So you read these and listen to these podcasts. Now, as I said, I flattened out the question that I shared with you, but I kept the primary idea. I did want to protect the name of the person who wrote it, but what he is writing is so common that I want to do a podcast on it as I am doing 
now. So in this scenario that this person is writing, the wife committed adultery and obtained the divorce. The husband did not dissolve the marriage, and so I am speaking from uh, that position. Now, I do, I do want to make a note here. I want to say something to you all because it's implied in this person's question, and you, you heard the implication, and you'll understand once I connect the dot. Here's the dot I want to connect. All deadbeat dads are not deadbeat. Or maybe it'd be better to say all dads are not deadbeat. Uh, so, some people can think that, you know, because a dad is not part of a child's life, that he's a deadbeat dad. It's just not true. And you hear it in this person's question that he is asking. He's not a deadbeat dad. He wants to be involved. But the problem with maintaining a two-family home is way more complicated than most folks think. And as I work through this podcast, uh, you'll begin to understand Uh, some of the complexity in trying to maintain a two-family home. He makes reference to my story, and so I will speak to it just briefly uh, for those of you who have not uh, heard uh, about my story. If you're new to the podcast, I've shared bits and pieces for years. In fact, this ministry is born out, uh, in many ways, is born out of my story. But I was 19 years old. Uh, I married in 1979 my ex-wife is a little bit older than me, a little less than a year, I believe. It's been a long time. It was a long time ago, so I can't remember exactly, but I do know she's a little bit older than me. So we were basically, I was 19, uh, she was 19 or 20 at the time. We got married. Uh, We were married for, we were married for 11 years, but the last two years we were separated and not living together. And the reason that we were separated for so long without a divorce is because I was part of the fundamentalist independent Baptist movement. It's a legalistic culture, and they have an unwritten rule. If you're divorced, you're they have a one-strike-you're-out clause, basically. And I asked her if she would hold off from divorcing me until after I graduated. I was in Bible college at the time. And, and so I wanted to I didn't have anything to do, and I knew I was disqualified from ministry, according to their teaching, but I wanted to get my degree, and so I thought, well, if you do, if you could wait two years and then divorce me, I can get my degree, and, and then we'll, I'll figure out life from that point forward. Now, there was also, it was also a ploy. Uh, I was thinking, my, my thoughts back then was that no, Christians don't get divorced, and so there's no way that I was going to get a divorce. And I was thinking that, you know, if she does wait two years, she'll want to reconcile and come back together. And so part of it was legitimately I wanted to get my degree and for them not to kick me out of Bible college. And then also I was thinking that maybe time heals all wounds. Well, half of that came came to pass. I got my degree, but she divorced me uh, two years after leaving. So she left in 1988 and divorced me in the fall of 19. 19- 90. And then I met Lucia in 1994, my current wife, and we were married in 1997 and have been blissful since 1997. And we have three children. And so my first wife, we had two children. And then uh, with Lucia, we have three children. My older children, they are 39 and they're 37 years old uh, this year. 
they were four and six when they left, and so they were just babies when they left. As far as my older children are concerned, I do not talk about them, and I do not do that because I live a public life. And our three children, Lucia and I, our three children, uh, they too have had to work through living a public life. People want and I understand why they want a piece of us, or they want to know what's going on. They want to, they want to know about our life. And we we've had people that people sometimes sometimes people can be invasive and 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 really just want to know how we do this and how we do that. And I I truly get it, uh, but there is a little bit of complexity in living a public life, and we've had to work through that with our children. Uh, some of our children are more comfortable with it than all of our children, and and so we do want to guard them because our primary thing is not the public life that we live, but parenting. Uh, the private life that we live is more important to us than our public life. But we, but I do have a public life, and protecting and guarding our my wife uh, also. Uh, people ask you, you know, does your wife, does she do counseling? Does she, is she a public speaker? And all of those type things. And, and so there are challenges there to maintain a normal life in a very public world. And so when it comes to my older children, I don't talk about them. Uh, my, my daughter, uh, oldest daughter told me years ago, she said, Daddy, I didn't get the life that I wanted. Uh, she was talking about the divorce. Uh, she didn't get the traditional upbringing that, that many kids uh, receive, and that was a it's been a struggle for both of them. And because I do live a public life, they're just not going to be part of it, and so I just don't talk about them. Now I will talk privately about some of the complexity of of what it was like uh, during that season in our lives, uh, and I have done that on occasion. Uh, but again, I don't I just don't talk publicly uh, about it. How did I cope? The question is, well, the, the book that I wrote, Suffering Well, uh, it tells the story, and it's linked here, and I, and I would just, it's autobiographical. Uh, it, it's, it, it will tell you that I didn't cope uh, very well. I was angry at God. I made poor decisions, and, and, and God persevered when I could not or when I would not persevere. And so I would commend you to get the book Suffering Well and read it, in addition to the episode, Life Over Coffee episodes that I've linked here, as well as a, a couple of articles. Here's the big problem that you're going to have to deal with. You now have a two-family home, and that's why I titled the podcast this way, How Does a Parent Maintain a Two-Family Home? This is the complexity. You see, in a normal family, for you, a dad, you get up in the morning and and you you brush your teeth. You go to the mailbox. You fix your coffee. You interact with your children. You interact with your wife during the week. You mow the grass. You wash the car. You you go to work. You come home from work. You go to the grocery store. You run errands. You do a project in the house, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That is a normal life. You watch a ball game. That is a normal life for. A normal family. And now your wife and your children have left and they have created a completely different universe. And this is the part 
that you have to think about. So when you get up in the morning now, you get up, and and there is no wife to kiss, and there's no uh, head to rub, of, uh, you know, as far as your child is concerned, or, or you don't have to tie their shoe, or you don't have to fuss at them for doing their homework or whatever. They are not there. And so in order to have any kind of interaction with the children, you see, everything that you do in your home, in your normal life, that doesn't stop. You have to continue doing it. But in order to interact with your children now, you've got to go outside of your universe and enter into a completely different alternate universe that is separated from your normal day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month life. Now, that is a big deal, and it gets more complicated as your children grow older And so it's very hard to maintain two universes. I mean, if you think about it, like for those of you who have your spouse and your children inside of your home, imagine if they were extracted and outside of your home and all the things that you normally do do not change. But in order to interact now, you've got to go outside of your universe, enter a completely different universe and interact with them. That is very hard, and you can only do it minimally. Uh, so you can, when you get up in the morning, you can, or, or you know, in a in a week's time, in a normal family, uh, you can interact with your wife and your children. I don't know a thousand times. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of times. But now you will only get to do that a handful of times. And you'll only get to do it in proportion to you leaving your universe and entering into theirs. And so the truth is you cannot maintain a two-family home, not in the traditional expected sense, not in the thorough sense. To be a thorough parent, you can't because you live in two worlds, your world and hers and their world world. And it will become harder and harder, again, as your children grow older, because they will start creating, carving out their own kind of life, which will not be in sync with your life. They will have uh, dates, and uh, they will have meetings and things going on in their world that was that's going to get in the way of your normal standard time of meeting with them like every other weekend. And so it's just going to get more and more complicated as they get older. And so what you want to do is to make sure that as you meet with them, that as you interact with them, uh, your goal is to always be painting a picture for them to see and to experience, and that picture should look like Jesus. And, and so the life that you live, the decisions that you make, the words that you choose, the things that you do, everything is a brush stroke on a canvas, and you want to paint a picture of Christ. And the reason that is important, there are two reasons. One is that their their mom, your ex-wife, is going to paint a another picture, and it's going to be dramatically different from the one that you could paint. And so they're going to, and you want them to see two different experiences, uh, two different uh, parent, parents with making different life choices, parents responding to adversity uh, differently, parents that talk about each other differently, parents that parent 
differently, and you want your children to see those two portraits. And as long as your wife continues to reject God, then those two portraits are c- continue to grow and and. Uh, and, and antithesis as far as what they look like. Now, the, the reason that that's important is that your children will be able to see when they get older that, oh, well, my dad is not everything that the propaganda machine said said that he was like, that my dad is has carved out a life and it it looks like this he's gone through horrendous things and he's had some very difficult challenges in front of him but now uh, here we are 20 years later and the way that he looks and the way that he's living his life is dramatically different from my mom's and it gives and, and you're not wishing ill will on their mother you're not you're not calling down a curse on their mother. I'm, I'm just talking about the process of sowing and reaping. And if she continues to re- reject God, if she continues to sow to the flesh, well, what she's going to look like and what her life's going to be like is going to be dramatically different from yours. It's just the law of sowing and reaping. But you have to make sure that you're sowing Christ-like seed. And if you're doing that, then the end result will be two different photographs, and it will give your children an opportunity to, they will see two options before them, two paths that they can take. They can walk down the path of their mothers of rejecting God, and they will end up in some version of that, or uh, they can choose the path that you have taken, and God willing, it will be a grace-centered, gospel-centered path that will lead them to ultimate freedom. And so as you're living in these two universes, and as hard as it is, it is impossibly hard because it's not how things ought to be. But you want to make sure that that the words that you choose, the decisions that you make, the life that you live, that it looks like Christ, so that that is one of the most important gifts that you can give your children. Now, obviously, you're playing the long game, not the short game. This is a you are now in a 20, 30, and 40-year plan. That's what you're in now. And you have to accept the loss of the traditional family. You'll have to wrestle through the, the dream that you had, the, the hope that you had when you started dating your uh, future wife, and then when y'all finally tied the knot, and then when you had children, and however many Christmases that you've had, and however many ce- birthday celebrations you've had, and I don't say that to uh, to rub your face in it, because I know that when I say these words, uh, depending on where you are in this process, it could just be horrific for you. Uh, those first few years were just absolutely horrific, each one of these events, and and it's why I'm bringing this up. You have to accept, accept the loss of this dream that you had when you were dating, tied the knot, and had children. You're not going to have a traditional family with these children. It's just not going to happen, and that's why playing the long game of, of building a life 
according to Christ and Christ-centeredness, and if your wife continues to reject God and so to the flesh, then you want to give your children that gift. And you hope that your children will come back to you when they are older. But more importantly, more important than them coming back to you, you want your children to come to God. And so you want to give them a presentation of, of what, what God is like and who God is. And so as you accept the loss of a traditional family, there's a possibility there that, well, first of all, you will never have the relationship that you desire with your children because you just won't be there. You can't be there 24-7 like what I was describing. If you just lived in one world where your wife and your children were in that world where you can get up seven days a week and hug your children and seven days a week have meals with them uh, anywhere from, you know, seven to 21 times, seven days a week where you're playing out in the yard, you're not going to you're not going to have that, and so you accept that. That is a loss. You will not be able to put Band-Aids on their knees, or if you have a son, I guess, I don't know who, the the gender of your children, but you probably are not going to teach them how to ride a bicycle or throw and catch a ball, et cetera, et cetera, because you, you can't do that now because you live in two different, two different orbits. You orbit in two different universes. And so as you accept the, the loss of this and you're playing the long game, you begin to understand that the most important thing is not that you have a relationship with them, as vital as that is. The most important thing is that they come to God. The most important thing is what they think about Christ. And so you want to do all that you can to communicate the message of Christ, and you'll do that primarily by your behavior, secondarily by your words. And then you want to make sure that you never speak critically of your ex-wife. And I'm talking about in a disparaging way. You can talk about her sin if she's sinning, if, if, if she's making bad choices, but you can say that without a sinful attitude, and you'll have to learn the difference. Because if, if mom is doing X, Y, Z, if she's sinning, it's like, no, uh, she's shacking up with somebody. Uh, no, uh, this is not a lifestyle that, that I choose. God does not condone this, and we need to pray for her. And so we want to pray for mom and just pray that, you know, God would, would begin to turn her heart. And, and so you don't want to speak in a disparaging way toward her, but it doesn't mean that you ignore any sin that she may be doing. Now, you, you need to overlook most of it. You don't want to bring up their sin, uh, her sin, just as a way to uh, implant that in the children's head, because at the end of the day, that is their mom. And so you don't want to create undue strife in the hearts of these children uh, between them and their mom because they know that you dislike her or you dislike her lifestyle. And so be guarded. It will depend on the child. It depend on the, the age of the child as you communicate. I've, I've never, I never talked about the adultery of my uh, ex-wife until my children were much older until they were in their 20s 
maybe even in their 30s. I only started saying this a few years ago that she actually committed adultery. And, And so I talked about living a public life earlier. Well, I never communicated uh, publicly that she committed uh, adultery until only a few years ago. And so it, I, I never wanted to create friction between them and their mother, and you make sure you don't do that as well. And so you'd be very guarded about how you talk about her. You do parent your children. You parent your children in Christ-like ways. And so you, you can't parent out of fear, fear of their resistance of your lifestyle or fear of their rejection of you. Again, you're painting a picture, and part of uh, your parenting is parental discipline. Again, it's not punitive, it's not unjust, it's not unkind, it's not harsh, it's not sinful, it's not sinfully angry. But you must be obedient to God's Word. And so when your children come over, uh, there will be an expected way for them to behave, an expected way uh, for them to live. And sometimes parents in this situation can Uh, They can cave to fear and not be obedient because uh, the way that they live with their mother is going to be a a dog and pony show. And, and, I mean, they can just do—a lot of times the kids can just do whatever they want to do. They have little device restriction. They can play their video games. They can— you know, start dating when they're 11 years old, 12 years old, whatever, and they can do all sorts of things because in many of these situations, the parents do not, the parent doesn't parent well, and then they come over to the Christian parents' house, and it's like they've they've gone back to the 1500s, and the Christian parent can cave to fear, and a lot of that's done out of rejection, and so ask God to give you wisdom how to parent with obedience without being mean-spirited about it or, or un- unkind. And here's the truth. Your children will respect you ultimately uh, if you're not wishy-washy like the mom, if you don't give them everything that they want. And again, you're painting a picture uh, for the long haul. And so you parent biblically, and ultimately they will respect you for having a backbone and, and for doing it the right way. Resist bitterness. Resist bitterness toward God and toward your ex-wife. Uh, in anger, do not reject God by choosing to sin in any way or to have revenge on your wife, to get her back for what she has done. And so there's a lot of heart work that you'll have to do uh, to work this out with the Lord because it's so it will be so easy for you uh, or for a person in your situation, not necessarily you since I don't know you, but it will be easy for a person in this situation to become angry with God and even start making bad choices out of their frustration. You may build another family, and as you build another family, this too will create, it will strain the current dynamic of the two-family relationship that you have. Those two worlds that I've been talking about throughout this podcast, uh, it will become more challenging uh, if you build another family, but you may be in a biblical position to do that uh, because you have a biblical divorce. As your children become older, they're going to feel the tension and frustration of even being with you, like say every other weekend or whatever the courts have determined, because they're growing from dependence to interdependence to independence. And as they grow through these stages, they're going to start creating their own lives, as I've mentioned earlier, and it will make it more challenging for them, for you and them to build into each other's relationships because now they have their own world and they will be resistant to come into yours, into your separate world. And so you parent the best way that you can while trusting the Lord. 
The hardest part for you will be the sacrifice, your dream of marriage and family, as I spoke about uh, earlier. So you do want to guard your heart against bitterness and the victim mentality. Uh, You can take on the victim mentality, and that will be a setup for you to grow in uh, bitterness. Uh, you want to become a good sovereigntist, become a solid sovereigntist. You do not neglect your parental responsibilities, but what you do, what you do, is not the vital thing. It's like 1A, 1B, God's sovereignty and human responsibility. What you do is vital, but it's not the most vital thing. God's sovereignty is the vital thing, and so it's 1A, 1B. Don't neglect your role uh, to parent those children and to love them. I'm talking human responsibility, but that's 1B. You be a good sovereigntist. And tied to that, don't become a legalist. Many parents in a situation like this, they become legalists thinking that what they do will make all the difference in the world. What you do does matter, human responsibility, but don't think that what you do is the primary thing, uh, because that's not true. For by grace we are saved. And so you don't want to become a legalist, and you can put yourself in the legalistic trap, legalistic bondage by thinking that, well, I wasn't there, therefore my children become Uh, you know, bad or however we want to describe that. That is legalism. Surely it is true that the shaping influences are going to shape them adversely, but ultimately it is the grace of God that's going to bring them around uh, to himself. This is episode 259, How Does a Parent Maintain a two-family home. If you have a question that you want to ask, you're welcome to do that. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.